in early October 2022. Eastern Promise, with amazing support from Norwich Research Park, Ridgen Partners and Carter Jonas, enticed an amazing group of scientists, experts and thinkers to join us in a unique networking event with an unusual location, the 11.27am train from Norwich to Cambridge. And this wasn't just a chance for them to meet and chat. It was an opportunity for Eastern Promise to listen to their views on the physical, commercial and scientific links connecting Cambridge and Norwich. Over the last few weeks, we've heard from Greater Anglia, Transport East, Breckland Council, Norfolk Chambers of Commerce, Carter Jonas and Nelson Spirit about the scale of the opportunity linking the two cities and the need for Norwich to be bolder in its approach to the Cambridge ecosystem. And now it's time to hear from the research and development community. From Fiona Lettis, Pro Vice-Chancellor for Innovation at the University of East Anglia. From Belinda Clark, Director of Agritech E. From Douglas Cuff, Vice President of Scientific Property Developer, IQHQ. And Ros Bird, Chief Executive of Anglia Innovation Partnerships, the company that runs the Norwich Research Park. Over to Ros Bird. Okay, so um, we're all on the train together, heading off to Cambridge from Norwich, and we picked up some people along the way, and we've got some people on the train with us from the Cambridge cluster, and it's been such good fun introducing people that haven't met before and who can definitely do some good work together in the future. And Mike is currently talking to the Look East cameras, which is great. So I'm Ros Bird. I'm the uh, Chief Exec of Anglo Innovation Partnership with a sort of science park management entity for Norwich Research Park. And I did used to work in Cambridge as well. I've loved every minute of working in Cambridge and, and now in Norwich. Fiona, do you want to say? Fiona Lettis and I'm Pro Vice-Chancellor for Research and Innovation at the University of East Anglia, or UAA, UBA as we like to be known. And um, in that role I look after the research that we do across the university and also our, on the innovation side our non-academic partnerships, our business relationships and the way we commercialise and make our, use, our research useful and usable by others. I'm the director of Agritech E, which is a membership network organisation bringing together the farmers and growers, the tech developers, the researchers and that whole innovation ecosystem to get new tech, new ideas out onto farms. Now personally, my whole career has been split, well, my, my whole education has been split between Norwich and Cambridge. Norwich girl by birth did some uh, time in Cambridge, back to Norwich for a PhD, so I've been up and down this, uh, this Norwich to Cambridge route many, many times in my life. And then we've got another guest with us from Cambridge and, and further afield you'll be able to tell by yeah, his accent. So, uh, my name is Douglas Cuff, I'm the VP of UK Real Estate for IQHQ. Um, we're a life science developer, uh, developing uh, research space for life science companies in key clusters uh, in the US and we have our first opportunity in Cambridge on the Science Park and uh, I've known Roz for about a decade when I was on the team that bought Granite Park from Roz and her team. So it's uh, what I find really fascinating and, and what I really love about working at Cambridge, you know, is 
you bump into people all the time, and everyone knows everyone, and the network is so tight, and it's not just Cambridge, it does include Norwich, it includes wider areas around it. And there's more opportunities for us now, from this moment onwards, to extend that network and encourage more and more networking between us, and yeah. develop those opportunities, and, and inspire each other by our difference. But I think, Fiona, if we could come to you first, and talking from your experience of collaboration that already goes on between Cambridge and Norwich, what, what, what? What's happening? At UEA, we've worked with Cambridge colleagues at, at the University in Cambridge um, on lots and lots of different interesting, exciting projects. We've worked across medicine and health, we've worked across the arts and humanities, social sciences, and actually, um, in a on average, in a year, our, our academics at UEA working with Cambridge academics will publish around 150 to 200 papers that are co-authored and collaborative um, research. And also, uh, we work with them on funded grants as well, and we've done over the last 10 or so years, probably about £20 million worth of collaborative grants. So that just shows some of the scale of activity and collaboration that already happens between UEA and Cambridge universities. But there's lots of opportunities to do much more, of course. Yeah, and you were saying about how those collaborations come about. It's quite organic, isn't it, where people meet each other and... For academics, it's about you want to work with the best people in your field, wherever they might be in the world. And um, so, yes, we're just really excited to work with whoever's doing those projects that we're excited about. And with um, Cambridge University, there's a lot of collaborations around the health area in particular. Um, so that's a real strength there. Um, we've also worked with them on more applied projects around the agritech space. I think Belinda can perhaps talk a little bit about the Ceres project where we've worked together with Cambridge and, and Agritech East E as well. Yeah, so uh, obviously this geography is, as we can see, going past on the train. Lots of fields, lots of straw bales. We're just seeing as we go past, a bit of sugar beet. So this is very much the kind of crucible, the breadbasket, if you like, of uh, growing and production, but also amazing research and technology development. And really the heart of that is between Cambridge and Norwich. And uh, Fiona mentioned the Ceres project, which is a collaboration between uh, the University of Cambridge, University of East Anglia, and actually our colleagues just over the border into Lincolnshire, still the wider east, uh, to help develop uh, investments, entrepreneurial thinking uh, into commercial application onto farm. There's also uh, a, a large cohort of PhD students around agri-robotics and engineering. We know there's not very many people that we see out here hoeing sugar beet. A lot of that is all automated now. And it's really the, the development of artificial intelligence, the School of Computer Science at UEA, the thinking there that's being applied now alongside the biology and the chemistry that's traditionally underpinned agricultural innovation. And from my point of view, um, coming from working in Cambridge, going away, coming back to work at Norwich Research Park, I just think there's so much opportunity, as you were saying, Fiona, for even more collaboration. And what I, what I absolutely love is bringing people together that you think, oh, if they knew each other, that'd be a powerful combination. And, and it is about inspiring each other by your difference and the things you're working on. And, and, it's, and it's also about looking for opportunities to collaborate. And I think some of the people that are on the train today know loads of companies that ought to then start engaging with each other. And they are doing it already and researchers are doing it, but we can do so much more, I think, of collaborate. And I was really excited when I heard that, that Doug was coming back to Cambridge because we know each other well and I know what a good guy is and I was thinking there's some things that we can do Doug and we haven't even thought of them yet. Yeah, but you know, like do you want to... I was saying before, like, 
at my background as you know, spending a lot of time in Kendall Square, and you look at Kendall Square being as ground zero for life science. And where's that in the US? In Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. Yep. And you know, next to MIT. Uh, and everyone talks about how there's a collision of technologies there. Uh, and that happens in Cambridge as well. But the one thing that Kendall Square doesn't have is the agritech piece and, and, and having access to land and farms, which I think is really, really interesting. And when you think of healthcare on a broader spectrum, you put food in your body and you put drugs in your body, and it's all part of the same the human body ecosystem. So it really is something that I think that Kendall Square lacks, which is I think it's a massive opportunity that Cambridge and Norwich has together, uh, uh, which I think could should spur on more, more opportunity. But I think the problem is no one knows about it quite yet. And I think events like this spur that and allow that to scream from the rooftops about how, how amazing and interesting it really is, which hasn't happened historically in the past, at least not for me. I was going to say, Rose, we should probably talk a little bit about the different entities on the Norwich Research Park and how we yeah. all can collaborate uh, yeah, absolutely. at Norwich, but also then use that expertise to help yeah. bridge across to Cambridge. Yeah, exactly. So I think that the thing about Norwich Research Park, and so Anglo Innovation Partnership is like the science park entity, as I've said, um, but the, 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 the main thing about... We shall shortly arrive at Ely. We're shortly arriving at Ely. Going oh, I love Ely. We're going to get the cathedral. That's where I was born. And please take the Birmingham train and change at Leicester for onwards connections. For so those you travelling by the East Coast Main Line to destinations in the north of England, uh, take the train to Birmingham and change at Peterborough. So we've gone through Soham then, have we? Not on that way? Oh, that way. Where's the train station? I can't believe that. That's so cool. I feel like this is a very civilized version of Claire Balding's uh, uh, rambling. You know, <laughs> in, instead of walking, you just to sit and, and enjoy the countryside. Yes, it's a new radio four program. Isn't it? <laughs> I'm up for it if you guys. Are. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? On the train with you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was just talking about Norwich Research Park to say that um, we've got four research institutes, a university and a hospital all on one campus, all sharing a vision for the development of the whole of Norwich Research Park, maximising all the research and innovation, technology, technology platforms for societal benefit. Um, and the job that my role is to help add value to all of that work, a campus perspective. The four research institutes, the university and hospital are, share a vision at the campus for working together for societal benefit, attracting uh, businesses of all kinds that want to come, be based there, benefit from the skills pool, benefit from collaboration with researchers. The point is that we can inspire Cambridge by what we're doing. We can raise awareness of all of the activity. Some of it is not well known. The actual environment. It's a beautiful yep. campus, you know, tucked in Norwich, which I think is also... Beautiful city. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know? there's lots of key attributes, and I think it's making the most of that and raising awareness. And my view is that um, we need to raise awareness of the opportunities, of the science, of the technology, and then those people maybe in Cambridge or London or further afield who say, I didn't realise that is what's happening, that I need to be there. And that's the reason we want people to come, because they'll benefit from the science and the technology, the expertise and the skills pool. Um, and that, yeah, that's, the, that's the thing that we need to work on over the next few years, and that's, that's my, my job to do that. I'm just a bit inspired by the sign, uh, see it, say it, sorted, and I know that's in a safety uh, context, but actually in, in the context of what we're talking about, about collaboration, see it, 
talk about it, yeah. sort it. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm kind of quite inspired by that in, in a, a different context around forging collaborations. You're right, Belinda, and I think it is about just doing it sometimes. Yeah. And maybe the point is that this train journey today is about us taking action rather than just talking about working together. And I think it's because the people now that are around the table, literally on this train, and the ones that are in the roles that where you can make a difference, we're, we're doers, we're people that love the strategy but want to see something happen. And that's what I'm excited by, taking action and doing things like inviting Doug and saying, come and join us and meet, meet up. And us all taking the time out of our busy schedules to be here today to demonstrate that we are serious about this and things are going to happen. We are, we are going to make a difference. I want to um, come on to um, Mike's next question. And he says um, that he wants to, he wanted to read out um, something from a UKRI report entitled The UK's Research and Innovation Infrastructure, Opportunities to Grow Our Capability. And the quote is, many challenges or questions can only be addressed by bringing together unique combinations of partners and expertise from across academic business, government and, and, the, and nations, academia, sorry, business, government and nations. Our aim is to build a more connected landscape and enhance our capability through partnership working at all scales. And so it says parts of the landscape are well connected, but this connectivity is not consistent. And so there is the scope to more fully exploit our collective potential. Where is that scope and how do we foster that connectivity? Fiona, you're nodding. Yeah, that's something we've given a lot of thought to at the university. And uh, we've started to organise ourselves around sort of grand challenges and key themes. And we've just dis um, launching three key interdisciplinary themes around climate, um, health and creative. And those link into the areas that are important to us as a region. So we've got coastal communities and health inequalities to address there. We've obviously got a, a region that is the breadbasket of, of the UK, as it's sometimes called. So that sort of food and health links is really, really important as well. Obviously, we've got climate change, coastal erosion, the impact of climate on what we can grow and in the future. And then there's the creativity. So we've got um, a hugely creative campus famous for creative writing, but actually that lots of creative disciplines. And we need creativity to solve some of those big challenges we've got ahead around climate, around health, and all sorts of other um, interesting topics. And what's great about being in Norwich and close to Cambridge and London and so on, is that we do get to know each other. So like this morning, we all met and, and most of us knew each other or knew somebody who knew somebody. And it's really easy to, to connect, actually. If you compare the geography to the US, I mean, hopping on a train from from Norwich to Cambridge is nothing. That would be like getting from one side of something. Yeah. yeah. Something, yeah. East to West Massachusetts, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. it's just really hard to do. So, and, and actually, so those clusters are there. They might be a little bit nascent in some areas, but actually, there's ones that are developing quite fast as well. And you know, people like Belinda leading the charge on bringing people together and. Yeah, so I, th I think there's lots of opportunity. I think it's happening already, but I think there's more we could do. And I think actually we could be a showcase for UKRI in terms of what a region can do and how it can bring together a university, research organisations, business clusters, local government, central government, and so on. And so I think we've got all the ingredients. Yeah. We've baked some of them, but let's bake some more. Yeah. And one, there's, a, there's a guy called John Higgs. He's a sort of a historian and, and writer. And there's a book called Stranger Than We Can Imagine. And in that book, he talks about um, the 20th century and um, how it evolved and the sort of strange things that happened. And 
One of the things he talks about there, which I think is a really interesting concept, I think he's right, is he talks about the future. And he says the future already exists. It's just that it happens sporadically in pockets. So you have to identify the new ways of working and the new opportunities and bring it to your place. And I was reminded of that this week when I talked to David Dent um, about the... um, way that he works and he's writing a book about this at the moment helping sectors to improve productivity by looking at other sectors and the ways that they work and the challenges and how they've met them and then bringing that to, and that's I don't know if you want to say anything about that Fiona say, who David in, is in that um, quote was unique combinations and actually I think that's what we can do really well is break down those barriers between different disciplines different expertise different sectors and yes David Dent's been, been great he's our entrepreneur in residence and he's helped to break down some of those barriers between academia and business so we don't always speak the same language we don't always work on the same time scale so sometimes we need a little bit of interpretation to enable those boundaries to be broken and those unique combinations to emerge. But I'm just really excited about those spaces in between. So if you think about climate and health, you know, they need to be talking to each other, people in those disciplines, in those sectors, because they're going to interact what we can grow, um, how, how we stay healthy in a changing world. All of those things are really important. We won't solve them from within a single sector or discipline. I don't think you need to. I think really, really, we were talking about this earlier, but the fuel for all of this to make it happen is access to capital. And there's even in today's climate, uh, there is still access to capital. And I think you guys are working to allow these entrepreneurs, allow these academics to find that and put put it together and then drive it forward, help them through the process of, 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 of creating sustainable businesses that will impact health, impact climate, impact agri-tech. So I think that's really particularly exciting. That was one of kind of my big takeaways of the day on the, on the train journey. Yeah. For me as well, I think one of the big game changers would be if we properly engage with young people. So I do think that when we sit here today and when we're thinking about the things we've got on our desk and the stuff we did during the week, it, it, in a way it could be seen, and I, I freely admit this, is quite self-serving. You're sorting out your own job, your own career, and you're doing things that are going to help you and the objectives that you've got and the business strategy that you've signed up to. And that's all good, and we have to do that um, to get paid and, and get, get that tick that we need that we're doing the job we've been asked to do but I do think we need to think about the future we need to think about young people in school today what information they need and how we can help them to access all the great jobs and you know a lot of business people when you talk to them and I was at the Norfolk Limited uh, event on Tuesday um, there was a little sort of straw poll and they said um, what what worries you the most and it's always skills right at the top of the agenda skills 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 you said One of the things I said and point I made was, um, I always do, is that um, if you haven't got 50% uh, women at all levels in your um, company, then there are barriers to entry. And if you go to a school and look at an assembly hall, you see how many females there are. It's 50% in in every class, pretty much. And so uh, why wouldn't you, in any industry, want all the best young people that are in school today to want to come and work with you? So I do think that... Um, as well as thinking about today and sharing good practice and 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 connecting the dots, we do need to think how do we promote um, all of the industry and and the uh, career opportunities to young people, and they're the future. 
interesting that you say that. I'm going to get my own plug here. So IQHQ, we're over 50% women in our organization and 54% is women and minorities. So we kind of look at ourselves as an industry leader for the sector. And so I do hope that we influence other organizations to push that because, to be honest, a woman's brain is just as smart as a man's brain, if not, if not even, even, even better. So I think yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it makes sense to, to do that. And, I'm well, and we've got great diversity at Norwich Research Park. I think it's 18 European uh, countries and 41 globe, you know, worldwide countries uh, are represented on the park in the workforce. People in all levels of, of, of job yeah, attracted. Amazing. And I, I was told recently that um, if you're into plant genetics and plant science, then John Innes Centre would be uh, on your bucket list of places to work in the, in your career. So there's there's you know some and we want to encourage our uh, young workforce to want to come and work with those people at Norwich Research Park. I think there's also a diversity piece that underpins the technology as well in that we need the data that's feeding the algorithms that is going to be informing a lot of the artificial intelligence that we're seeing across all of the sectors, whether it's drug discovery, whether it's climate change modeling, whether it's new ag chem for agritech, whether it's the robots that are going to be managing so much of our lives. We need those to be trained using a robust and representative data set, not just, uh, dare I say it, uh, one, one gender, uh, one ethnic uh, yeah. making sure that we actually have, have a, a future proof for the diversity that we want to embrace. I'm just really, really pleased uh, Doug's here because I think one of the things, and you may have covered this, and forgive me, I'm sort of jumping in halfway, was uh, that's fascinating uh, a book by an, uh, an American economist um, whose name sadly escapes me, but she's following uh, a T-shirt, the, all the economies it encounters along the way, and it was talking about the uh, American cotton industry in Texas and how there's a virtuous circle has developed between the uh, the, the cotton industry, its its uh, associations, the local, uh, I think Texas Tech, the the, the the local university, etc., 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 and they've, they've they've kind of all feeding into to, to really to kick up a gear on the processes and drive that innovation. And we've got I'm glad you're here, but because we've got that being formed again with food and agritech at the Food Enterprise Park, the UEA is a, a, a key part of that. How do we both grow those virtuous circles? Do you think, and, and look to establish new ones? It's already starting to happen in certain businesses are now starting to really embrace that circular economy, not just because the optics are great uh, on it, but also because it's a proper cost saving. And increasingly, I think any businesses that are looking to gain investment has got to have that ESG, circular economy, reducing exa exactly. And I think it's one thing of the many lessons we've learned from the pandemic, seeing some empty supermarket shelves really brought home the need to ensure that these very complex supply chains are starting to be much more efficient and resilient and robust. How one does that, I think there's a lot of minds greater than mine doing that, but it's certainly clear that increased awareness enablers to ensure and support the collaborations have certainly got to be two of the great foundations to make that happen will also drive that. So if you, if the end user it wants to buy local and drives that, well then it'll force, it'll force the change. So I think educating the end user to, I have two types of oranges here, or I got apples and oranges, well the apples are local, the oranges are from Spain, well this was just driven down the road, so I want to buy these. And so that, 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 that kind of demand, whatever it is, whether it's a t-shirt, whether it's, it's fruit or, or, or whatever, uh, I think is, is important. Do you have a thoughts on that, Fiona? Oh, we have touched on some of this. I think it's just about bringing together those different sectors and businesses and letting those ideas collide a little bit. And I, 
you know, we've got 17,000 students on our campus. They're young. They're full of bright ideas. We need to we need to harness them at this point where, where they're open to lots of new ideas and in fact they're driving us to be better and to think differently all of the time and I think we just need to make sure we connect those um, students in with the businesses through internships, projects, but um, somebody also mentioned funding and just making sure we have mechanisms so sometimes we find it hard to collaborate but actually very very small amounts of pump priming funds or initiatives or events can really help to, to catalyze and bring people together. So we need to make sure we have got some of that pump priming um, mechanisms. We've talked a, bit, a little bit about the Ceres project. Um, we've, we have projects where we can have innovation vouchers to enable academics to work with businesses. Um, and it just, just 5,000 pounds can make a huge difference to what people can do together. So it doesn't have to be huge investment, although sometimes that really helps as well. But how, how can we creatively use relatively small amounts of pump priming networking opportunities to bring together and explore these new ideas and think about supply chains differently, think about sectors differently, think about how technology can can make a difference in different different ways, how ideas of circular economy, how, how do they work in different contexts? I think one of the key things that's, that's come out this morning is what an exciting opportunity there is between Cambridge and Norwich and how working in partnership, again, I've, I've likened it to a rope where there are lots of individual projects with the UEA, SETI, you know, Smart Enabling Technologies Institute being a really good example, where the, those links are there, but it's spinning them all together into something a bit more, a lot more durable and a lot stronger and a better narrative that says to the world, you know, come and look at us. What, you, absolutely. One of the things we were talking about earlier is that this isn't just talk. Mm. The fact that we're physically on a train together when we've got we've had a busy week, all of us, you know, and there's nothing. But we want to come and be together and do this because, as well as having a good chat and talking about strategies, we want to take action and make these things happen. So, um, you know, talking about the concepts and the analogies and the ways that we worked you know, in, in our different locations, all good, but then we will take action to work together and, and, and it's a physical process. And I think, um, you know, there's so many key attributes in Cambridge. It's a well understood market. There's the whole thing that's going on with Norwich with Agritech and with Norwich Research Park, the university is so much there going on and, it, and that we want to promote and, and raise awareness of. But it, and, unless you then take action and do stuff together, it's a bit meaningless. And that's a bit I'm really excited by because I know the people that are sitting around this table here, you know, Fiona and Doug and Belinda are all like me. They're like, yes, you know, we want to do good stuff together because it's our time to do that and take some action. And then that will inspire the people that will come after us. And I think we all want to look back and think, in this moment, we knew that we had some really good stuff that we were already doing, loads of good experience, and now we're going to collaborate in different ways. And it doesn't need to be insurmountable. It's just practical steps. OK, well, with that, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to pack the equipment away so we can all bundle off the train again. Cambridge and enjoy the Carter Jonas reception. But Rosbird AIP Norwich Research Park, Belinda Clark Agritech E, Fiona Letters for the University of Anglia, Doug Cuff from IQHQ. Thank you ever so much for for, for, for sticking with it while I was down down there. But brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. My thanks go to Ros, Fiona, Belinda, and Doug and to all the panellists you've heard from in the last two weeks, and to everyone who joined us on the train. 
at the same time this episode drops, I've also put out on the Eastern Promise podcast feed a three-in-one collector's special edition, where you can listen to all three panels back-to-back. The event was such a success. Plans are already underway for a bigger, brighter and bolder repeat this coming spring. And also a trip highlighting the links between Cambridge and Ipswich. Keep listening for more information or keep your eyes on my LinkedIn account. That is me, Mike Rigby, host and executive producer of Eastern Promise. It's easy to find. If you come across a Mike Rigby who seems impressive and accomplished, it's not me.